we've we've been here just about 24 hours. That's, uh, I always marvel because it feels like time kind of slows down. Uh, it feels like well, maybe even timeless that we're we're just entering into uh, perhaps we could call sacred time, um, where we're just paying very, very deep, very careful attention to the heart, to the mind, to our experience. I asked, um, or I reflected a little bit um, on Friday night about what what brings us to meditation. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about that and then um, just reflect on more on Vipassana practice and um, some general ideas general uh, um, <coughs> instructions and, uh, and uh, explanations of what practice is. <clears throat> when I think about um, how we're motivated in practice, uh, I think of it as both from below and from above. And from below, the from below part has to do with our experience of suffering. The, um, the losses, the, the goals that perhaps we didn't fulfill or we fulfilled and didn't find them as fulfilling as we hoped they would be. Um, Perhaps feeling caught in self-defeating patterns, seeing ourselves do the same kind of thing again and again, either in our relationships or, or in our work or the way we treat ourselves. Just the experience of uh, impermanence, seeing, seeing how everything changes, nothing can be held on to, um, can, can lead us to question more deeply, you know, what else is there in, in my life? How can, I, how can I find some sense of stability? Sometimes an experience of great loss can be um, feel that we feel like our world is turned upside down, and and we ask ourselves, you know, who am I anyway, and or what is what is there that that can give me a sense of of more stability? So there are many many variations on on the experience of suffering that can bring us to practice. Personally, when I was when I was young, I began practice when I was in my early 20s. And um, I, I was experiencing just a lot of fear. You know, just tremendous fear. Um, it felt paralyzing. I didn't know particularly why I was afraid began to understand later there were a lot of experienced a lot of trauma and loss and uh, um, so so I was looking for something to uh, to help me feel free from fear to help me deal with that fear and um, so you know, somebody told me about meditation oh, try meditation and so I did um, and um, yeah, I thought, oh, I'll just 
get enlightened in six months or so, and, you know, everything will be fine. <laughs> so, so this, uh, this kind of driving us from below is, um, is actually uh, something that's really uh, a gift because it's, it's revealing to us that we cannot find the fulfillment that we seek, the peace, the contentment, the happiness that we seek in, in the shifting and changing, unreliable, unpredictable, uncontrollable conditions of our lives, of the world, of our relationships, and so on. This is, this, life is totally unpredictable and uncontrollable. The from above part has to do with somehow we see something We meet someone, we read something, we hear a talk. Something touches our heart, and we feel that there's more. In the story of the Buddha's life, um, which, you know, uh, it's it's not a story that we need to believe a kind of in a fundamentalist way, it's it's a teaching story, and uh, and so it may be true, it may be partly true. It doesn't matter. So you don't have to believe that this actually happened. Um, you can if you want. Uh, so in the story of the Buddha's life, he was um, a prince, wealthy, privileged, very fortunate. Uh, had extremely comfortable conditions, and um, but he, his life was very restricted because his father didn't want him to experience any painful experiences, any suffering at all, any loss, any uh, any uh, evidence of uh, of that things things don't last. His father wanted him to uh, to totally believe that you know he could be happy as a prince and and become a king uh, or some kind of tribal lord whatever uh, that that model was whatever he would have become um, and uh, rather than seek a spiritual life because there had been a prophecy that that he could either become a great king or a great spiritual teacher. But um, Siddhartha, as he was known at the time, um, grew discontent with his life, and he it said he he woke up from one of uh, the the nightly um, celebrations that they had with music and and beautiful food and um, you know and, and all kinds of uh, <coughs> gracious experiences and he he looked around and you know all of these these musicians and all it's it said specifically in the in the text that all of the musicians and all of the servers were all beautiful women. So, and then he, but he woke up and he saw all of these, you know, really beautiful women and they were, they were all in kind of awkward positions and drooling and snoring and, and he, he kind of saw through the illusion of, of that had been created for him. And he began to want to explore beyond the boundaries that he had been kept within. So he went out with his coachman, who was also his friend and companion, and 
and uh, and he began to witness the life around him, you know, and um, and uh, and there was there were people, you know, in the street who were hungry, who were sick. Uh, he saw he saw a a death uh, a, a a caravan of you know a funeral um, procession somebody who had died um, and he he kept asking you know what is going on what is going on uh, he saw people who were old um, and uh, which he had which had been kept from him and um, and so he encountered old age sickness and death and um, and so this was this was his encounter with suffering even though he wasn't personally experiencing it he saw it and it's i find it an interesting story for us as a, as a very fortunate people in this country that we you know not everyone of course you know we've but there are people who are poor and but it's a very fortunate place and and perhaps people who are here may of course not everybody but a lot of us come from fortunate conditions we haven't starved we haven't uh perhaps uh been homeless you know, but but we but we can look around elsewhere in the world we can we can look around and and perhaps looking at our own lives as well, um, and see suffering, and um, and be touched by it, and uh, and and be motivated by it, to find a way to be free, even though we can't be free from old age, <coughs> from sickness, and from death, and we can't be free from loss, and from. Uh, disappointment uh, and from all kinds of painful experiences, separation from people we love. Um, yet we can, and this practice offers a way to to become free from the intense suffering that comes with it. <clears throat> The other thing that the Buddha experienced, uh, and this is the above part, the kind of inspiration from above, is that he, when he was out on his explorations, he saw a um, a wandering uh, monk, not a Buddhist monk, but somebody who was deeply engaged in spiritual practice. And there was a quality in this person of peace and calm and simplicity and presence that really inspired him. He said, you know, it's like that line from when Harry met Sally, you know, I want what he's got. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and he said, that's my direction. That's that is what is calling me and so he he left all his his privileged life and he went to try to find that freedom and so so we need to we need to uh have both of those if if we're feeling totally um you know like Okay, life is just fine, you know, just I'm comfortable. And we know people like that. Um, and actually we were talking in, in uh, one of the groups today about, you know, we can be impelled into practice when suffering is intense and then when things become a little more comfortable, it's, our motivation wanes and we, we go through cycles like that sometimes. And uh, and I'm sure we know and we can see people who, um, you know, are not that interested in looking for something more than, you know, uh, being 
okay in their life and and that's not to judge that that's it's everybody's life is unfolding as it is so people are just where they are but which is why you know the suffering the suffering is a, a kind of a gift if it if it motivates us and and certainly an encounter with with a teaching or a, a teacher or or um, something that expresses uh, a way toward freedom is a great blessing when we when we experience that in our lives. There's a beautiful um, line from uh, something, uh, a verse from um, the Song of Meditation by Hakuin Zenji. He's, um, a a Zen master from, I think it's the 15th century. I'm not sure about that, actually. (laughs) But it could be later, yeah. Um, So so it goes, this is the beginning of his uh, Song of Meditation. All beings are from the very beginning Buddhas, It is like water and ice. Apart from water, no ice. Outside living beings, no Buddhas. Not knowing it is near, they seek it afar. What a pity. It is like one in the water who cries out for thirst. It is like the child from the rich house who has strayed away among the poor. So in our in our lives, we keep seeking somehow that happiness, that fulfillment from from pleasant experiences. You know, we're 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 we seek. Um, we think if I if I just find the right relationship, I'll be happy. If we just find, if I just find uh, the right job or the right place to live, or if I lose ten pounds, or if I get in shape, or if I, you know, if I have a kid, uh, if I have a child, you know, that will make me happy. So there are all these ideas we have about how to find this happiness that we seek and really um, it's not to be found in conditions it's not to be found in the shifting changing conditions of life we are already that we are already the peace and the love uh, and the truth that we seek It's like one in the water who cries out for thirst. So, so in our practice, we are finding our way home. We're finding our way home to this uh, this simplicity, this presence, this this. Um, Connection with the heart and the mind. <clears throat> so as we as we do this exploration in meditation, we are first of all. We're learning to experience a sense of just being here, um, not filtered through the mind. And, and the simple practice of coming back to the breath, um, feeling the body, being present in the body, is, uh, is training us to just, just arrive home, feel and be within ourselves, uh, from the inside, 
will be present, you know, in this, in this <coughs> body-mind, psychophysical organism. And, and so we, we find that, you know, we're, we're encountering so many thoughts and so many ideas and so many beliefs about who we are, who we should be, uh, who we're expected to be. And, and so we just, the practice is just letting that go and coming back to this simple present awareness. And when the mind becomes becomes a bit more calm, a bit more present, a bit more steady, and able to be with experience moment by moment, we begin to explore who do we think that we are? What do we what do we believe that we are? What, how do we identify ourselves? Uh, do, we, do we identify ourselves as, as this body? And we look and we, we, we bring this mindfulness to the body and we discover that this body is not a thing. This body is not something solid, This body is not something permanent or unchanging. This body is really a process. This body is... It's it's water. We're continually flowing in, flowing out (coughs) water. The body is energy from the sun. We're continually consuming and being fueled by the food that we eat. This body is um, aging, changing. It's, this body is certainly not the same as it was you know, 20 years ago, <coughs> 10 years ago, 5 years ago. For some of us, I could go further back than 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so the body is changing. You know, so what is this body? You know, how can I understand that this body is me? And of course, we also know that the body dies. So so this this belief that I am this body um is actually in some ways, we hold on to this belief because it, it feels, you know, we look in the mirror and we say, oh yeah, that's me, you know, so we keep, we keep seeing not the same face in the mirror, but, you know, a familiar face. Uh, and, uh, and at the same time, it's very deeply unsettling to think, well, this body is me. So, so when we, you know, when we think about, well, yeah, the body's always changing, and it, it has only a contingent existence. Um, maybe the body is, uh, is not a self. Maybe it's not who I really am. Uh, but I'm my thoughts. I'm my, my feelings, my emotions. And and then we begin to see the, the the thoughts are just, you know, little little changing blips. You know, we, we bring mindfulness to thinking, we see how thoughts just kind of evaporate. And they change. And our feelings and emotions change. You know, we see the impermanent nature of, of thought as well. You know, probably some of you have had the experience, even if this is the first time you've meditated, that that in a 20 or 30 minute sitting your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts can change radically you know many many times within a single sitting 
So we begin to see the impermanent nature of, of, of the body and the mind. Not understand it conceptually, but really directly experience it. And this, this non-cognitive, immediate, direct um, knowing of impermanence is insight. So when we talk about insight, meditation, to know in a very direct way that everything is impermanent, everything is changing into something else, is insight. It can be unsettling to see it, and it is also actually quite liberating to see it. Because when we see that everything is flux, process, becoming something else all the time, we we recognize that we can't hold on to anything. And this holding on, trying to get our fulfillment, our happiness, our peace, our sense of stability from the shifting, changing sands of experience is creates tremendous stress and suffering. So, so this also is an insight, insight into suffering, how it's caused, how it arises by trying to control our experience, uh, find the lasting fulfillment in, in the conditions around us. So there are three insights. The, the first is insight into um, impermanence or anicca. The second is insight into uh, how, by trying to hold on to what is changing, we create stress and suffering. Trying to, you know, we want, we, we think that a relationship will give us happiness, and then we're separated, or, or the person dies, or, um, or the relationship doesn't work out, and so on. So, so this kind of holding on, seeking our happiness in conditions is, is dukkha. And dukkha is translated as unsatisfactoriness or unreliability or, or stress or suffering. There are a whole range of, of ways of understanding that. And the third is anatta. So the insight into the contingent nature of of who we are, of what we are. So, and this also uh, arises in our meditation practice. We begin to see that that this sense of of being a separate and enduring self is really a label that we put on a process, that we are a process. And that we are a process that is uh, arising from many, many changing causes and conditions. So, So we don't need to create a sense of self in order to live happily. In fact, we live much more happily without the sense of self. So, so if I come in to this retreat and I have this idea of I am going to be a really brilliant teacher I'm a teacher and I am going to, you know, uh, I really want everybody to, uh, to 
appreciate my teaching and and uh, uh, I want to I want to you know be sure that you know I can help everybody you know have profound insights and you know that's really creating a lot of self around uh, this process of you know really it's a uh, it's what's happening is that you know we're coming together and uh, we all bring our experience we all bring our our um, uh, our perceptions our um, our heart our aspirations and uh, and there's a there's an environment of learning and an opening and and yes you know there's teaching happening from here but uh, there's also learning happening here and uh, and there's there's learning happening there you know in all of these psychophysical organisms but there's also discovery and communication and uh, and reflection back and 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 support in a community. There's a lot going on, um, and the labels that we put on things are are not are just labels. You know, so 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 this sense of self is is a is a label that we put on a process, and and it can uh, it can really. Um, and it does interfere with our deeply entering into the the mystery of what's emerging in each moment. Uh, I'm sure that you've all done this in some way or another. You know that you know we we create this this feeling of you know I'm going to become this whatever it is ideal ideal person. We do this a lot in spiritual practice. It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I have to become perfect. I have to, you know, never get angry again, you know, uh, never be greedy. Um, I'm never going to take too much food. Uh, whatever, whatever ideas we have about, you know, what kind of perfect self we're going to create. But really, this sense of self is actually something to be seen through and and we don't disappear when we see through the sense of self we actually um, it's, we feel more, more fully alive and more deeply connected to all of life around us we realize how we are always emerging interdependently in, interrelationally So when we when we begin to and it's a process when we begin to let go of the labels, the identifications with, with the body being, uh, you know, I'm this body, uh, you know, I'm this role, I'm a mother, I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a, uh, a professor, a lawyer, a, uh, a wife, a father, a husband, you know, when we it's not that we stop doing those things. It's that we stop believing that we are the role. You know, and, and we can just be. We don't have to be something. You know, we can just be. Just be alive. Be, be open. Be, be loving. Be aware. Uh, be evolving. Um, 
that's that's a, that's an experience of freedom. That's a, an experience of of freshness, of openness, of boundlessness. So we often define ourselves by our story. You know, so I I experienced this, I had a happy childhood, I had an unhappy childhood. I um, my parents took good care of me, my parents neglected me. Um, you know, I I I lived a I lived a very dutiful or constructive or creative life. I I fell into, you know, addiction, uh, you know, and um, all kinds of unskillful behavior. So these are narratives, these are stories that we can get so identified with and they're so limiting. Uh, and we and then we project our story, our narrative into the future that somehow, you know, I'm always going to be like this or you know, or uh, you know, where we feel that we're we're preconditioned by our story, and so so just seeing the story as a story, it's it's a story. It's not what happened. It's not to say nothing happened, but what happened is more than what we saw. Now, an example that I can give from my own experience is that um, when I was a young adult, you know, like, like many young adults, you know, and I left home, and um, and I felt that my parents, you know, were uh, were terrible. You know that they, you know, my father was angry, and he, you know, he didn't he didn't really care for me, and um, and that was my story. You know that um, to the extent that I. I expressed it to myself. Uh, a lot of it was just kind of reacting against that. And then, as an adult, and then re reconnecting and reconciling with my family, and then I, I understand my father more deeply. I understand how he suffered as a child, and so compassion arises, and and. And so I, the whole different understanding of, of what happened in my home can emerge. It feels much more whole. It feels much more human. It feels much less reactive. There's forgiveness. There's compassion. So, so the story can change uh, as understanding develops. <clears throat> And so, um, so we're so we we feel we can we can feel called to a deeper truth of who we are, a deeper truth than the the story that we tell ourselves, a deeper truth than the endless searching for for happiness and fulfillment in the changing conditions of life. A deeper truth than, um, you know, than just, uh, you know, believing I am this body or I am my beliefs. It's a, it's a truth which is um, emergent, always emergent, always fresh, always discovered. It's a truth of, um, of boundlessness, of love, of connection.
there's a beautiful poem by Rumi. Um, which I'm going to read twice because it's very short. Sometimes you hear a voice through the door calling you as fish out of water hear the waves or a hunting falcon hears the drums come back. This turning toward what you deeply love saves you. Sometimes you hear a voice through the door calling you. As fish out of water hear the waves or a hunting falcon hears the drums come back. This turning toward what you deeply love saves you. And so that which is calling us is who we truly are. It's, it's, we're not being called outward, we're being called inward. And then in that inward journey, we discover that we are the world. We discover that we're not so separate as we think. We're not so different as we think. We discover that the things that blind us from the truth and from love, the things that blind me are the same things that blind you. The things that, the, 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 the journey to joy and freedom for me is maybe not, it's not exactly the same for everybody, but, um, but there's, there's so many universal uh, commonalities of letting go, letting go of holding on to, you know, this grasping onto experiences and beliefs and ego. So ego is not a thing. We don't have egos. Ego is something that we do. It's something that we that we do when we're trying to hold on, or we're trying to get, you know, or we're trying to uh, promote ourselves or protect ourselves. So ego is not a thing. We don't have egos. It's just, it's just a word that, that we, we use to point to a process of egoing, of selfing, So, so in this in this meditation, uh, vipassana meditation, we we are taking this stability of mindfulness that is developing through the samatha practice. And we're observing moment by moment that everything is in flux. So a feeling arises of sadness, grief. So we let go of the breath and we bring attention to the body, you know, where where we are experiencing this sadness, for example. And we see that it's not a thing, it's not a state, it's a process. And when we can be with it mindfully, which is not grasping it, not resisting it, not judging it, but just accepting it, being present with it, allowing it to reveal itself, receiving it, not identifying with it. We see that it moves through us. 
Same for grasping. Same for anger. The same for happiness. You know, happiness. I mean, happiness which is coming from conditions. There's also uncaused happiness, which is innate. But happiness, which is, you know, unhappy because, you know, I don't have to cook meals. I don't have to cook dinner. Uh, you know, and you see, oh, okay, happiness is coming. So, uh, and that also is impermanent. So we just, we can be that space of experience, of knowing experience without grasping it. And, and, and in that, in that direct knowing of the nature of experience as impermanent, as unreliable, unfulfilling, unsatisfactory, and, and without intrinsic, separate, permanent uh, core of reality, we, or core of identity is a better way to put it, uh, we begin to um, experience the, the joy of, of, uh, of freedom, the peace of freedom. So, um, so I, I invite you if you feel that your uh, that there's some stability, if the mind is uh, is more calm, and uh, and and you want to open up the field of your meditation practice um, to vipassana practice. A very simple way to do this is, you know, as you, as you are sitting or walking, uh, and maybe you're connecting with the breath, and then you hear a sound, and you hear the sound arise and pass away, and then you may come back to the breath, and then maybe you experience a sensation in the body, like a a sensation of of soreness or of of tension and you bring your mindful attention to that place in the body and you you discover that it's it's actually not a solid thing that it it's shifting it's moving it's tingling it's opening it's it's uh, it's throbbing many many it's many things and uh, and then it's not there, and then maybe it comes back, or you feel it somewhere else. And then you, so you're experiencing the, you're seeing directly seeing the impermanent nature. And then you come back to your breath, just, just to as a place to rest. And then maybe an emotion comes up, and you feel that in the body, not getting into the narrative or the drama of it. You know, an emotion of sadness or or uh, confusion or um, anything, and and you're just with that, and you see how that comes and goes, and how it feels in the body, and and then come back to the breath. So there's this there's this uh, kind of you know. Opening, moving the attention, moving the the mindful uh, awareness to different objects, coming back to the home base of the breath, and and gradually we begin to really get it, you know that that everything is in flux, and uh, and it's trying to hold on to things that we want to be in a certain way that is creating the stress and suffering in our lives. So I invite you to explore that and um, and then uh, we'll continue to talk about it in, in uh, you know, as, as, we, as I meet 
with you, there's one more group, and, and then tomorrow morning there'll be a time for, for questions. Um, and, uh, and also I noticed that, uh, that the, uh, the sign-up meetings, personal meetings, are full. So if you have a question, you know, or if something comes up that you want to talk about, you know, you can write me a note, and uh, and I'll either respond by note, or or if it feels like uh, it would be good to get together, we'll just find a time uh, to get together. You know, maybe after supper or or uh, uh, some other time. We can just find a few minutes to get together and uh, and talk about it. So so it's it's something to explore. It's. Uh, it's a it's a practice which, you know, we can, we all need to do this for ourselves. You know, n- nobody can do this for us. We all need to discover who we truly are. Uh, nobody can tell you. You know, it's 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 our believing. You know what we've been told. That um, that has created confusion. So, so let's really enter into this you know, beautiful exploration. Uh, my experience is that there's, there's nothing that I can do more rewarding. So let's sit for a few minutes, um, and then we'll do some walking. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.com dot org slash donate